every pew, every human, every person, welcome to the 83rd edition of On The Ball, the Norwich City podcast that hits the spot just like Josh Sargent from 22 yards. I'm Michael Bailey, I cover the Canary, oh no, he's a cheap shot, isn't it? I am Michael Bailey, hello there, I cover the Canaries for The Athletic and I hope this finds you safe and well. On the way, goals are overrated anyway, normal for Norman and a touch of the two calls. I'm still not quite used to not calling him Tuchel, but there we go. Uh, We'll work through all that and more with our guests this fine evening. They are Norwich number one chief at NCFC numbers, also known as our very own Steve Sanders. Evening, Michael. We also have former Norwich City head of content and program editor Dan Brigham. Hi, Mike. Good to see you. Indeed. And making his on-the-ball debut, ITV Anglia broadcast journalist and City fan, Andy Ward. Hi, Michael. There we all are. The introductions are in. Thanks again for joining us, everyone. How terribly exciting. Um, Steve, how are you? It, it feels like a long time since we've done a live video podcast, as, uh, although I think we were on the, the last... Were we on the last audio one together? I literally can't remember. It's been three weeks. Um, Is that all? Which, which time we've had we've had no goals. So but we are undefeated. Um, I feel like it's... Uh, I feel like that's not going to be the last cheap shot at Josh Sargent tonight. I mean, you started, if we're starting as we mean to go on, he's uh, he's, he's in for a rough ride tonight. I well, it'd be the last one from me, probably. I'm You've probably, already I'm had someone pers- say that your Josh Sargent line was incredible. So, uh, and, and, <laughs> I, the, and the chat. So that's, like that's Josh a, a Sargent's finish from 22 yards. Um, there we go. Um, have, have you been keeping well, Steve? What, you, what was the highlight of your international break? Oh, God. Exactly. Spot um yeah well i have been keeping well uh, <laughs> i don't know what the highlight was oh, i went to uh erpingham house at the weekend the restaurant owned by none other than uh russell martin to keep it oh. norwich city that was oh, nice how, fully how, fully how vegan i'm a hipster yeah. now oh it's lovely yeah it's lovely yeah yeah so yeah. would would recommend that's that's the most boring uh anecdote you'll have uh, no, tonight i should think <laughs> you know what i Russ, went to Russ... a restaurant michael Russell will be sitting at home thinking two good things. Um, we beat Swans, uh, we beat Cardiff at home in the South Wales Derby and got a great review on the On the Ball podcast for the restaurant. So I think you've, you've probably done Russell's weekend. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 50-50. But it doesn't need to be ranked, it's fine. Dan. Michael, good to see you. <laughs> if, are we going to just keep name-dropping Irvingham House tonight, maybe? See what we can get from that. Just oh, is that the idea? Yeah. Or have I, have I been left out of that? Well, bit of product know. placement well um yeah it's it's quite pricey so i wouldn't mind some money off next time well there we go <laughs> the, the reviews were going quite well uh well, you know well maybe that's why we need a free meal uh, i don't think we can uh, that, that that sort of smacks in the face of integrity here's someone who has much more integrity than any of us it's andy ward andy welcome <laughs> Cheers, how are you? you yeah i'm good thanks yeah yeah no, it's uh it's been a good weekend didn't go to earthingham house um, so I've been <laughs> missed out on that one, but yes, it's been a good weekend. Thank you. We should say happy birthday to you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was uh, 31 yesterday. So ooh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, football in the peak. 30s. Football peak. I don't know. Is that a bit? Well, I mean, if you were a footballer I now, you'd be, you'd be like, over the peak, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah, I you'd think. be like one more contract. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be struggling, wouldn't I? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Hey, I'm 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 probably getting too old for vets already, so don't worry about that. Um. Uh, well, yeah. I hope you had a lovely birthday. That's grand. Um. Thanks for joining us. Should we um. Obviously, your main job is is ITV Anglia, and um, I don't know how much we should go into your football supporting roots, but tough because you're on this podcast. That's obvious. <laughs> but um, uh, could you get, could you paraf- paraphrase in sort of twenty seconds your Norwich City story? You know who who's your favourite players, best memory, that sort of stuff. Oh God, uh, that, that's a tough question. Well, 
first started watching them when I was probably about five or six. And actually, the, the, the first game I went to, um, obviously, I was only little. I was sick over the person in front. That was the, that was the story, if you ask my dad. So, Outstanding. Southampton South at home. I don't know what the score was. Um, but I'd had, I'd had too many sweets that day. I was sick over the, the, the man in front. Um, but apart from that, I mean, and then, then it was all, all in my blood. And I think my... I think the best ever game was uh, the 3-2 against Derby, you know, when Simeon scored that goal. I think that was the, that's the one that stands out for me. So, yeah, and the Man City game as well. It's, it's those 3-2 games, I think, that are just the, just the best, really. Outstanding that you were th- you threw up over someone yeah, on your first visit to Road and I mean, I don't never, it, never looked back. Yeah. Can, can I just ask if you've ever done that since your first game? Uh, well, I felt like it on Saturday at times. But... <laughs> <laughs> was no. it just after Josh Sargent missed from? Oh Trump? yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Quite. I, I um, there's a bit of me that twinges every time people mention the three-two win um, over Derby at Carroll Road because I wasn't there. I was oh, at a Lowestoft game, um, and it's uh, it's always, it will always be a sore point. But there's nothing I can do about that. So. There we go. <laughs> um, right. Uh, before we crack on with this week's uh, show, I should just say all of our thoughts are with Norwich City goalkeeper Dan Barden. Um, it was announced today they'd been diagnosed with testicular cancer. He's going to be taking a break from playing. Um, and of course, he was due to spend the season on loan at Livingstone um, while he receives treatment. All of us here wish Dan a speedy and full, full recovery. We can't wait to see him back playing at Carroll Road. Right, let's crack on, shall we, with this week's headline act. Sting. There is only one place to start this week, which I kind of figure is generally the case at this point. Um, Brighton, goalless draw at Carrow Road. You know, the second goalless draw for Norwich City in the Premier League on the spin. Or maybe maybe actually the only place to start is Josh Sargent-Smith. I don't know. Maybe you can decide on that, uh, Steve. But um, how did you how did you absorb the game on Saturday? Josh Sargent-Smith from 22 yards, is it? That, yeah. that miss, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I think, to be honest, yeah, when, when we look back at this game, uh, if we have, if we have a look back at this game again, uh, we would probably. Although it wasn't bad for a nil-nil, to be fair, but I, th- no. I think that was that's the moment that's going to stick in everyone's memory, isn't it? And um, there's that awful still, isn't there? <laughs> the goal's completely at his mercy, and it's kind of a it's kind of a bizarre miss. I don't like it. I, I, you very rarely see someone in that situation not hit it hard enough, and it it, it wasn't really like he scuffed it. You just didn't get enough purchase on it. It's almost like, you know, like a, a golfer standing over a putt and just get it completely misreading it and only hitting it halfway to the hole or something. And the fact that of all people, it was Shane Duffy who, you know, sprints to stroll up to it and get it away with, with time to spare. I'm not, I, I think it probably would have just about reached the goal, but only just. Um, it kind of sums up where we are at the moment. And I think I don't want to stick the knife in too much because Sergeant had a good game, but it does feel very... He feels very Norwich City Premier League player in that, you know, he, he, he works hard and he, he he does a lot of good things, but ultimately doesn't do the thing that you really want him to do, which is put it in the back of the net. And I, I kind of think that's going to be a bit of a recurring theme for him this season. Um, I'm sure we'll get into the performance. I thought that was much better. Um, but yeah, that you can't help but feel after that miss that they, they could have won it. I mean, he did play quite well in, in general and there were some really nice turns. He probably linked the play better, Dan, than it. 
there in, in any of his Premier League games. Um, but as sort of Steve says, if he can't score as one of only two probably attacking players on the pitch, never mind strikers, that is a, a bit of an issue. I mean, if the, the thing about the still that Steve mentions, the goal looks so big. <laughs> and uh, it, it, that's the thing. Uh, just if you put him in that situation at any point, he'd have, he'd have comfortably just hit the ball properly, wouldn't he? So is that confidence or conviction or what? Is it or is it lack of technique? I don't know, but I think you saw kind of why he was highly rated and you also saw why no other big club has come in from him despite being highly rated within those 90 minutes. Because as you mentioned, he got some good turns in. He got a turn, a shot, which in the first 10 minutes, which worked really well. But then it, then he missed an open goal. And, you know, when people when people's reaction to a miss is laughing, so immediate reaction around me where people just laugh, then you know it's kind of out of the ordinary. Uh, that miss, but I think did you, I, did you laugh, Dan? Did you laugh? No, I didn't. I, there was there was silence from me. So were, you, sh- were you sick over the person? From- <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask Andy that, but um, <laughs> the I get Marco Steepman vibes from Josh Sargent. He is hardworking. He is capable of uh, linking up play really well, carrying the ball really well. But he's also capable of missing open goals and shanking one over the Barkley and into the Wensum. So, and I'm not. I'm yet to be convinced that he is absolute what we need at this stage of the season but I also remain at hope that a bit of decent coaching from Daniel Farker and he could turn into a good Premier League player what I should say what I can say though is that he's never been a prolific striker that's never been his forte his forte is finding room good movement linking up play so if you do want someone on the end of an open goal it's probably not Josh Sargent which probably I've still got this thing in my head saying play him in midfield, <laughs> which may, maybe he would be a really good central midfielder. We'll put him at left back like like we did with Steepman. So. <laughs> What's worse that could happen? I suppose the biggest thing, Andy, is going forwards. What? Because fair play to Josh, he he never hid. He he. You, I mean, if that had been me, I'd have just said, look, or oh, hamstring, get me off. Um, which probably says a lot about my character. But you know, he 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 never stopped you know, trying to be involved and trying to make things happen. He's obviously a young man. It, it got, it, it, the one thing he needs is more conviction, not less, I suppose, going forwards. Because, you know, Norwich are going to need him to play and, and offer a threat. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot to admire about Josh Sargent. I, I, you know, he links up the play really well and, you know, he does work incredibly hard, but he's just not a natural finisher. You can, you can see he's not a natural finisher. And I think his goal records suggest that as well. Um, and that, that's the reason he's playing for Norwich, isn't it? If he was the finished product, he, he wouldn't be here. Um, and it's it's just one of them. It's they've obviously taken a punt on him. And, and like I said, there is there is a lot to admire about him. I think his work rate's outstanding, actually. But he just he's just not a natural finisher, and it, it does boil down to that. And I think, as Steve said, I think that's going to be a recurring theme this season, isn't it? That he's just he's just not going to get the goals that you need to keep you in the Premier League. I just don't think he is. I hope so I'm proved we- wrong, but. <laughs> Too, too right, don't we all? So what do we do with him then? I mean, can Norwich genuinely afford to play a player who's going to run around a lot but can't can't score? Will, well, you already feel reliant on Tammy Pookie as it is. See, I, I, uh, it's interesting that Dan says Marco Stephen. The, the, the player who I thought he would be when we signed him, or we sounded like, was he'd be a ginger Cameron Jerome. Like, yeah. I just thought he's, he's somebody... And, and so far, all indications are that he's... Sorry if you're watching, Cam. <laughs> Well, but, a bit of so, a so here's my here's my sort of semi-positive spin on that is that I think it'd be a good player in the championship. Quite honestly, he looks <laughs> okay. like somebody. And let's oh, be God. honest, we we could be headed that way. So um, the problem is, you know, you spend 
you spend 10 million on a center forward and you kind of want something a little bit better than that um so I, yeah there's as um both Andy and Dan have said there's a player in there definitely and and you've just got to hope that he can be coached to finish uh, it wasn't just that one chance though there were other times during the game where he just didn't quite look sharp enough he had another one in the second half where Byrne got back and tackled him um and the, was that the, the problem one, was that the one where he was put because th- he was there was one yeah, thing, where he was put through and yeah. he he just sort of it looked like his, his touch took him wide and I, actually, I thought mm. that was a worse well that wasn't worse but that was just <laughs> as bad because it was like that was a golden opportunity to get through on yeah. goal yeah but he goes back, back to that, doesn't it? You know, he just doesn't have that instinctive nature to get it out of his feet and get the shot away. It's just everything you can see, you can always see his brain ticking over, can't you, when he's trying to control it at times? Um, I suppose what I would say is that he wasn't necessarily signed as someone who was definitely going to play down the middle, was he? Like if he was in a front three, for example, you'd probably happily have him playing on the right if you've got Pookie or either through the middle. But I'm not sure he is. And I really want to be proved wrong because I, I like him already and he works really hard. But I'm not sure he's a sort of a natural number nine. Yeah, He's a top and, guy. I, I, sorry, go on, Steve. Well, I was just going to make the point that that he is a little bit hamstrung. Like I, I, We'll talk about the system, I'm sure. But there's a lot of pressure on him to score goals because at the moment it's basically him and Pookie, isn't it? And that was very much the way we attacked. Every chance fell to them. Um, and if they're not scoring, then it, it, you kind of think who else is going to? I, yeah, I had a, I had, um, a message from someone in, in the US who kind of said that Josh, Josh's uh, attacking instincts were severely hampered by his spell at Bremen because as that deteriorated, so did his confidence in front of goal. So we shall see, I suppose. But um, you're right, Steve. I mean, it was literally let's hit the ball forward as much as possible and see what Temu and Josh can do with it on their own against at least a back three and probably several others. I mean, it must be said at this point, Brighton didn't have uh, Basuma on the pitch, so they were missing arguably their best player, um, which obviously helped Norwich cause a, a little bit. But I mean, what do you just sort of extending that point, Steve? What what do Norwich do about the system? Because they they've got numbers at the back, <laughs> that, which is clearly what they're trying to do uh, to make them look secure. But he Daniel Farker clearly doesn't want to sac- sacrifice one of his three midfielders to play a forward player, whereas. To me, Milot's looked pretty sharp for two games. He's come on for the last 10, 15 minutes and mm-hmm. I, we need to see more of him now, I think. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing more Ashitza. Um, I have to say, I mean, I think we've, I've given Farker a bit of stick over the last few weeks. I think he's spot on at the moment. I, I, we have, we were so bad against Watford that we had to go back to basics and, and just rebuild, basically. And, and the way to do that and, and to get confidence is to start keeping clean sheets. I firmly believe that. And actually, I would say since that Watford game, Everton game is probably our best performance of the, of the season up to that point, just about. Burnley eclipsed that. And then I think Brighton was probably better again. So we are slowly getting better. And you can see, actually, you could see during that 90 minutes that the confidence was building. And we do have a plan. I mean, we only had 35% of the ball, which is very, very low at home. I think that's why people are getting a bit um, angsty about it, because we're used to dominating teams. But we just can't at the Premier League. We've seen it time, time and time over that it, we cannot dominate teams. So... Farkas, I, I think, finally identified that and said, right, well, we need to be tough at the back. There will come a point where we have to balance that with being able to score some goals. But I don't think it's now. I think we paid Brighton the right amount of respect, given how well they started. Um, we're going to have to play that way against the big team. So we're already kind of set up to play that way for next week. Um, I, yeah, the problem is two goals in eight games is, is really bad, <laughs> clearly. Um <laughs> 
but I don't disagree at all with the the way with the formation. I know people have pointed out individuals that should be starting or should be getting more game time. They will get it as time goes on, but I do think this is the right eleven for the moment. One goal from open play, don't forget as well. One goal from open play. play. Um, I mean, Andy, when you when you look at that, it's, it's really interesting looking at the supporters because I feel like there are some who who I want want more, and they're like, "What is this? This isn't what we got from Daniel Farker. This is this is not the flow, free flowing attacking football. This is what we need to, you know. This is this. We've lost our identities. Not got a clue what he's doing, etc." Which, you know, I, I can understand that given how much stock was placed in the way they went about it two years ago. So to, to do something completely different is quite a big take. But as Steve said, there were, there were quite a few positives from, from how Norwich went about it. They did create chances. It was it was bang level in terms of expected goals, which I appreciate. I don't know everyone does. So, I, I mean, I, do you kind of see where both sides of the supporters' argument is at the moment? Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, going back to Sargent, if he'd have scored it, I think we'd all be saying that's a really good performance, wouldn't we? You know, keeps clean sheet against a, a decent team like that and, and, and got a goal as well. So, yeah, I, I, defensively, they look a lot better, don't they? They really do over the last couple of couple of games. It's just trying to trying to create. I mean, I, I think the midfield's not very creative, is it? I think that's, that's not a particularly um, good thing, is it? And you just don't get the sense that any of them are going to chip in with the, the five or six goals that you're going to need, um, you know, for, for the rest of the team. And I, I just think that they're so reliant on Pookie, aren't they? That's that's my worry. There's just no one giving him a hand at all. And they've got these new two new wingers in, in Jollis and, and Rashid, so and they're not even getting on the pitch. And they've spent quite a lot of money on, on them, haven't they? So it, it does seem... I do feel that they've got to find a way of, of getting some support to Pookie because it's, it's just not fair on him, is it? I don't think. I find, I find it weird that Christos Jolis did, did really well in his debut at Arsenal and basically not really seen him since, which um, which I desperately hope has not got absolutely zero to do with the penalty miss. Um, but let's, let's hope so. Uh, one um, player who does does like to show a bit of creativity, Dan, although it's not necessarily in terms of goal creativity, is uh, Matthias Norman. He's, uh, he, he's someone who knows what he's doing in terms of creating a clip for himself to go viral isn't he you know that's that's what i picked up on i love him by the way i think he's brilliant and i also think he's a class above most of the players who've got at the moment um, well you can yeah. absolutely you can absolutely see why leicester city were in for him in last january because and and they recruit probably better than anyone else in the, in the premier league leicester did because he is classy he wins the ball back position is excellent he's got a great long range pass on him he moves the ball quickly and he's got a shot on him and he works really hard as well. I mean, it seems like his fitness probably needs to improve slightly to get through 90 minutes. But he's been outstanding in his sort of brief Norwich City career so far. And I think Lee Smalou is sort of really growing into the Premier League as well. I think he was, it was probably his best game on Saturday. I think he, he's made more tackles than, per game than any other Norwich midfielder. He puts himself about, about and he's showing that he can carry the ball forward as well, which we've we've been missing. And just on the on the point of formations, I think... What we should what we should be positive about is the fact our back five is a Premier League worthy back five now. It doesn't look out of place in the Premier League. We've got two good attacking combative fullbacks. Uh, Janulis's performances have been so far above Brandon Williams's performances since he's come in. Hanley's been outstanding in the last two games, been a real leader, and Gibson and Kabak have been, to most parts, pretty controlled. It's a, it's a good back five. It's obviously, as we've discussed, the sort of ahead of them where the problems lie in terms of creativity. But as I, I agree with Steve. You've got to start with the base of not conceding and not losing. And then maybe you can 
implement a, a put a Gilmore in or a Todd Cantwell into that midfield three in replace of say Kenny McLean, and then you can build from that. What okay. I would, <laughs> but or or in, or instead of Lisa Malou, but uh, just getting a ball player no. in. <laughs> no. no, exactly. It's got to be Kenny. <laughs> so if you want to bring a ball player in, that's probably a natural progression. But what I would say, the my real issue is this formation is, uh, as Andy touched on, with Cholis and Rashica, two of our big signings. They don't. They're not really like Sargent, players who play down the middle. They were clearly brought in by Weber and Farker because we were thinking of playing with more width and that's been thrown out and replaced understandably because our poor start to the season. So unless there's a change of formation and it may even be a 3-4-3 three, three to keep the three at the back, I, I don't see how they really have an active role in games in, a, in the current formation. Well, I must admit, if, if Norwich were clever, I think, or Daniel Farker was, I, I would think you well, ultimately, it's the way they played at Man City, wasn't it? That was basically, or no, that was more of a 4-5-1 that became mm. a 4-3-3. Three, three. Whether mm. you could tweak it so it's a 3-4-3 three, three at Chelsea, then, you know, away you go. Let's get, let's get Milo on the, in the, on the pitch. Let's get Josh running. You know, it, I mean, it's obviously, it wasn't the blueprint, obviously. Though. There was no way that we would have brought those players in, Rashica and uh, Cholis, without thinking they'd get a lot of game time. And equally... This doesn't get the best out of Todd Cantwell's natural. Yeah, I was, well. I was going to yeah. say exactly that. Cantwell and Dowell are also obsolete in this formation because you can't really play them in that in that three. Um, I completely agree with Dan's point on Lace Malou. Actually, I, I thought I thought Norman was probably the best our best player, but Lace Malou really impressed me. And I've been was not sold him at all before Saturday. But I can really see what he brings now. He won a lot of the ball, got it forward early, and that's the way that we we appear to be playing now. It's it's trying to hit the front early, and and both Norman and Lace Malou looked to have a good long pass on them um so yeah i would say it's kenny is the one if anyone's going to drop out um but i don't think they will i think it'll go the same to chelsea it'll be interesting seeing pierre play on the left because every shot shooting opportunity at the moment seems to fall on his right foot and i'm just like just switch to get on your left because we've seen before he can hit it with his left um i think he's probably taken every shot with his right so far so maybe that's one to wait um wait out for well there we go i think that was pretty positive that that was that felt that felt quite good. Most positive since since Watford. So, so there we go. That's exciting, right? Um, well, I tell you what. As we approach roughly half time, um, he says, "I'm going to stick to my time this week." Uh, let's try to maintain our concentration with a bit of this. Genuinely forgot how good these stings were. Uh, it is a pick that one out. This is where the uh, podders each get a window to bring up an issue they're struggling to let go. Uh, if they lose themselves for more than 30 seconds, the buzzer sounds. Oh, hang on. Oh, I'll, I'll cut this. <laughs> <laughs> the, buzzer nice. sound... <laughs> the buzzer sounds. It's a bit quiet. Did you hear it? Just a bit quiet. A bit quiet. Uh, and it's time to let it go unless you're me and you just carry on for another two minutes uh who would like to go first this week dan our first pod together fancy it uh yeah i'll go for it yep i definitely hadn't forgotten about this section (laughs) i think you pretty much came up with it didn't you so (laughs) originally yeah yeah, regretting that now aren't you hey hey whatever did happen to things we're not going to talk about hey hey. maybe we could bring it four to 15 seconds instead of 30 seconds (laughs) i'm up for that We, we had a run of people just stopping before the before the buzzer went i mean i don't know what that's about so none of that please uh go on then off you go so okay so the i like billy gilmore i think at some point he'll play a big role to play in our in our midfield i think he relinks play really well looks really neat and tidy but 
already slightly tired of Chelsea fans and Scotland fans thinking he's the cross between Makaleli and Lampard in midfield on very little evidence. And also it's Norwich fans thinking he should be playing every game. It's not really reached the territory of, say, Norwich fans thinking Redmond should play every game or Buendia should play every game or Wes Hulahan should play every game. That was fair enough. We've not seen enough of Billy Gilmore yet to be demanding he plays every single game. I have I even seen a Norwich fan ask demanding Billy Gilmore play every uh, game? Stuart Hodge, Stuart Hodge must have done at some point. <laughs> yeah, he's he's, he's got so That yeah. doesn't count. Running the midfield against Israel is what is essentially the same as running the midfield against Preston North End, which I'm sure he'd be capable of doing in the Championship. <laughs> I, I, it does feel like Scotland fans have not seen a footballer able to pass to a fellow Scotland player ever. <laughs> and all of a sudden, Billy Gilmore's arrived. And it's like, Wow. And I look forward to Hodgie coming on next week or whenever and putting this all right. <laughs> Don't think he'll ever um, be back after that. Good, uh, good job, Dan. Well, well done. Um, Steve, do you want to have a go? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Come on, we need more enthusiasm. Guys. Okay, Come I mean, on. yes, on, I do. Okay. Go for it. Right, this is very loosely related to Norwich, really, but it kind of harks back to the people saying that we had no ambition because we weren't prepared to spend any money. And then the difference in the reaction to, uh, especially yesterday with Sky, to people fawning over Newcastle's new overlords and how this level of ambition is exactly what the Premier League needs. More money. Oh, good, they can buy Coutinho and Dembele and Mbappe and all these players and Norwich can get back to the championship. I just think is is that really is that really where football's going? Is that is that really what we want to aspire to? It's not what I want to aspire to. Yeah, might well drop down. Well, I mean, let's be honest. It would be hilarious if they got relegated. So yeah, although well, um, it would make it very difficult if we got relegated with them. Oh, that was sort of my... <laughs> we'd stay up at their expense, Steve. We'd be absolutely fine. Don't you okay, yeah, all right. That's yeah, that's, that's clearly the plan. Andy, you ready for your uh, pick that one out debut? Yeah, think so. You're, you're, so. A, you're an esteemed no idea what bro- I'm doing. You're a broadcaster. <laughs> this is company. just you doing a normal report with someone in your ear, isn't it? I think pretty much. Uh, right. Um, well, when you're ready, off you go. Yeah. Well, well similar to Steve, really. I mean, it's it, it's all this anti-Norwich uh, thing in the national media. I mean, we saw a terrible performance from Watford at the weekend. That went largely under the radar. But if, if Norwich put in a, a performance equally as bad, um, it, it doesn't, you know, they're, they're not worthy of a place in the Premier League. They're, they're an embarrassment to the league. That was embarrassing from Watford on Saturday. It was awful. And I think they should have gotten more stick than they did, to be quite honest with you. Oh, look and at I've that. Got, I've, I'm buzzy. I'm going to buzz you <laughs> lots of that. There you go. Um, yes, indeed. Well, you know, maybe maybe talk sport don't have an agenda against Watford. Yeah. So who yeah. knows? But um, yeah, I did. I mean, it was quite... Quite funny how the picture is coming together, isn't it? With with some teams struggling and some games that Norwich did, and Leicester beating Manchester United. What is going on, eh? So it's all uh, it's all around and about. I think you've covered off all the all the ones that I was going to talk about. Um, uh, Neil Mopai and the penalty shout. I was potentially going to bring up. I didn't you know the, the referee could have made a decision rather than just sitting there going, oh, I don't know. Um, someone tell me we've seen it. Did he get? Did well, he get? Yeah. He looked like he was touched on the. No, so, I thought he did. Yeah. So what? Is that not a penalty I, then? I, I don't well, know how it works. I, I'm thinking about it now. I think it was probably the classic of this new genre of contact with consequence. So essentially, although they touched, I don't think it was the touch that brought him down. I think he, they touched while he was just sort of going down anyway. He was going quite quickly um, and it was Neil Mopai. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, I, I would guess they looked at it and thought that touch hasn't brought you down. So we'll carry on. But, you Fair know, enough. clipped at high speed. 
I thought they were going to give it, I must admit. Well, it would, if it had been given, they wouldn't have overturned it on VAR either, would they? But, which, but then in that point, the referee has to make a decision. He can't just stand there and go, because uh, uh, he didn't make a decision, did he? He literally stood there and the players looked to him and he's like, Oh, right. Oh, I thought he had I've got someone on the TV for this. Hang on. It's like, so that, well, unless I've done him a disservice, that was what it looked like to me that he just didn't make a decision. Um, Speaking of touches, we haven't (laughs) talked about Krull's save yet, have we? Did he not get a finger on that one to turn? That was a really, really good stop, actually, and at a key point in the match as well. It was. It was a wonderful effort from Trossard, who's a very good player, like him a lot. Um, But yeah, you could tell in real time from where we were that it just. It just deviated the ball slightly. To and his save from Lalana's hit from outside the area was good as because you would have seen it so late as well. Yep, true. Two, two shots on target, and he saved both basically, didn't he? Yeah. The both distribution was better on, on Saturday as well, actually. Yeah, it you was. Know, he struggled a bit with that, hasn't he? And thought he's a yeah, slight, slightly better on, on Saturday. So yeah, looking good. Um Mopai should have scored in the second half, yeah. Yeah, he should. Yeah, that was so, a good chance, wasn't it? Yeah. Also, is that worse than Sergeant Smith? Oh, that was a bad match, <laughs> um, wasn't it? When you it wasn't really, was really to, to hit it over the bar from that position. Um, I might be able to answer that question though, Dan, because um, actually, no, Josh Sargent's wasn't the best chance that Norwich missed on Saturday, according to expected goals. Pookie, yes, Pookie's chance where he dinked it no. wide of the goalkeeper. Now, I agree. I agree with you guys. I didn't think it was. It, it was basically judged presumably on how close it was in. Yeah, proximity, um, surely. And they do normally take into account if they're under pressure and things, but clearly Does it take into account as a fact that there's a goalkeeper in the way for that? <laughs> well, you should do, shouldn't it? So um, for, for context, uh, I'm just getting all this information off the wonderful info goal. Uh, Josh Sargent's chance had a probability of 14% that he would score. So, oh, which what, is, a professional footballer? Really? Apparently so, yeah. There we go. I think Have they seen him shoot before? Is that, is that one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a personal XG. Of, um, uh, I'd have probably got about thirteen uh, percent. Uh, Temu Pukki's chance in the sixty-fourth minute, which he just dinked to the near post, and half the Gerald Stam thought was in. Oh, I thought um, it was. Did you? I celebrated. Did you? Yeah. Did you? Oh, mm. I was looking up, going. They're still celebrating. They're still nice celebrating. to celebrate a goal, though, isn't it? This yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, they don't even care that it wasn't actually a goal. Um, so yeah, Sargent's was fourteen percent apparently. Um, Pukki's chance was forty-two percent. I mean it. Mm. He didn't get he, to it properly. He did. He did. He he was just too. He didn't get to the ball quickly enough to dink it because he should have just been able to dink it over the keeper from there. It was probably yeah. quite a bad miss. Uh, Neil Mopay's chance, which was the eighty-seventh minute, fifty-five percent. Really? Ooh. Yeah. yeah. I suppose so, middle of the goal, right? Six middle of the goal. Six yards out. Six yards no out. one. Yeah, no yeah. one between him and in the goalkeeper. <sighs> So there we go. We were lucky, really. So that's the um, little bit of luck we haven't had for exactly. the rest of the season. Isn't now we've just, just got to build on it. Just he missed a sitter against us for Brentford as well, didn't he? He did. That would have ah. been the XG on that would have been through the roof. Yeah. <laughs> I won't keep you all waiting as I find that one out. Um, <laughs> I think we're done for that then. So um, we're not going to do a centrefold this week, I've decided. But I do want to still play the uh, halftime sting because I love it. So here it is. music really that's all um we are uh, although you may be listening to this as an audio podcast we are live streaming it on the interweb which you can find out on most of my uh, 
my uh, channels that do video, social media channels, if you want to have a look. So we have, we have got a few uh, questions in. Um, maybe, we, I don't know, have you had a chance to look any, Steve? I thought maybe we could have a quick flick through yeah. some now. Um, Lee Widdett at 8.27pm. I'm going to have to give you the time. Yeah, perfect. Not work yep. for the podcast says, evening all, uh, MB, I thought as you that the atmosphere second half on Saturday was excellent, but I've seen quite a few disagree. What do the rest of the panel think? Oh, that's a great question. Thanks for flagging that one out, Steve. I well, yeah. So I, I've already answered it. So you guys go, um, Dan. Uh, it's raucous in the Gerald. It was really noisy. <laughs> I thought it was no good. one ever. <laughs> it's sort of uh, yeah. I didn't know, really think about it at the time, but thinking back on it, it was it didn't really go quiet. The uh, it felt like the team was backed. There was no sort of unrestlessness, restlessness rather. Um, yeah, I thought yeah, the atmosphere was decent, as as good as it can be for a nil nil. Andy. Yeah, I thought it was good, um, especially second half. I felt there was that chance that, well, with the XG that Pookie had, you know, the that chance, <laughs> chance there. I, I thought the, the crowd certainly got behind them after that because it kind of felt like Norwich were in the ascendancy at that point. I think first half, it was, there was a little bit of nervousness around the ground. I, I felt like if, if Brighton had gone ahead with that Mope chance when he, when he was potentially brought down by Krull, I, I kind of felt it was on the edge a little bit uh, there. Uh, but I think second half, the, the fans were great, yeah. I am um, my my piece that I wrote from the game. I think I ended up writing about um, Graham Potter and and how, you know how that's maybe what what Brighton are doing is 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 quite an interesting um, path maybe for Norwich to look at, and, and they're probably doing it because they're just racking up goalless draws at the moment. But um, I was think contemplating my piece, you know, starting off with uh, obviously it started off with Josh Sargent's miss. I was contemplating on starting it with the atmosphere in the second half because to me I I, I felt it was quite profound. I, and I don't know, maybe it was just from where I was sitting. I mean, I can normally judge whether the atmosphere is good or not. But the second half, halfway through it, I thought the whole ground came to life like it hasn't done all season. I thought it was exceptional and obviously helped that the game was um, in the balance, uh, probably drowned out some of the boo boys in the snake pit who seem to be you know, desperate to boo everything at the moment for some reason. But um, I thought I thought the, the, the noise and the passion that they were singing some of the songs were, it was like they were... There's just like a sudden that we're just got to get on with this. Let's let's try and do it as as one. I thought it was magnificent. So um, yeah. yeah, that was how it came across for, to me in the press box, and hopefully we have lots more of it. I think it was shooting towards the NMP. That's what did it. <laughs> they were inspired by that yeah. change. The NMP is the new Barclay. Strikes strikes me as unlikely. <laughs> that good question, uh, Lee. Thanks for that one. Cracking. Um, well, I tell you what, let's uh, let's uh, move on to uh, to our wonderful bit of John Motson, shall we? This is almost fantasy football. I mean, what could be more fantasy football than Norwich holding Chelsea to a draw at Stamford Bridge? Could Daniel Farker even contemplate being able to do? Well, yes, because he's done it before <laughs> in the FA Cup over 120 minutes, in fact, as a Championship side. So Dan, it just do the same, right? Yeah, I mean, I was I was there for that that draw, and and we were really impressive. Um, it's a couple of years ago now, but I'm fit, well, three years ago, I'm fairly sure we played three at the back in that game as well. We did. So that's not uh, unfamiliar to them. It is a little bit because after Burnley and after Brighton, you kind of think, well, we're building a bit of momentum. Um, we go into the next game with confidence. Then you remember the next game is is Chelsea away. It's not Leeds at home like the following game. It's Chelsea away. What we don't want, and what we really want to avoid, is having that bubble, that small little bubble, that little bit of hope that we've got burst by a really poor performance there. But 
I think as Steve alluded to earlier, the fact we've gone into the had the last th two games playing through at the back, which we probably would against Chelsea anyway. At least we're going into that game with a system established that we know works for us. Um, whether whether it will get us a, a well earned point on the day or even three points, I'm, I'm not so sure. Chelsea are a really excellent side, they, although they do appear to be struggling a little bit for form over the last few ga games, and I believe they play on Wednesday night as well, which may work in our favour with the. Uh, with an early kickoff on Saturday, uh, only Malmo. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, they're clearly going to wrestle Lukaku for the big game against Norwich. <laughs> yeah, it's only Norwich as well. He needs a goal. He needs a goal. Yeah. So there is a there is a bit of hope. You know, I think we'll go in and we'll bat we'll battle Norman. I, I imagine will really fancy playing against one of the one of the big dogs of the Premier League as well. And I hope that sort of emboldens the rest of the team as well. Well, this is this is the hilarious thing about Norwich in the Premier League. Whoever they sign, they'll be really up for Chelsea away, won't they? Let's be honest. So, um, Todd Campbell uh, will be absolutely desperate to be back in that starting. He, he will. <laughs> um, I'm just going to reiterate this point as well on Todd because I think um, Daniel Farker had his press conference on on Friday and was like, "Oh, Todd's trained, so he's back available," and everyone was like, "All right, so Todd will start." Um, but there was so much of what Daniel Farker said, which is basically that he hadn't trained properly for several weeks. Uh, you know, he's, he's had um, he's had uh, some family stuff to deal with, um, as we all do at times. It just happens. So, um, yeah, the, the, the he and Daniel Farker said well, he's, he's, once he gets his consistency back in training, then, you know, we'll start to really get him involved and things like that. So it wasn't really that much of a surprise. He wasn't um, involved in the in the squad. But uh, I think a lot of people were expecting that to be the case so whether Chelsea comes too soon I don't know a, a full week next week I don't think he's evolved and then we can get stuck into the debate as to whether his position actually exists in the uh, in the team or not in terms of uh, actual where he can play um uh, Andy I mean someone reminded me today Andy that um Chelsea actually lost what five two at home to West Brom in an early kickoff last yeah, season so they yeah. are they are primed for a freak result which is obviously yeah. what we're dealing with here well it would be a freak result because Norwich is out of school, <laughs> wouldn't they? Yeah, five. Uh, five. Yeah, Can you imagine that? Yeah. Uh, Josh Lydon hat-trick. Oh, that yeah. would be amazing. Um, I, it's a big ask, isn't it? And I think I think Dan's right. It's a nightmare game, isn't it? You just want to build on on that momentum, don't you? And it, it's it's got the potential to be pretty pretty scary, especially... I don't, I don't like the fact Lukaku hasn't scored for a while. That that normally doesn't end well, does it? Uh, <laughs> it's normally the, the perfect team to, to play against, isn't it, Norwich? But well, they, they are looking better defensively. So let, let's just hope they can frustrate them and maybe nick one on the break. I mean, that, I'm sure that'll be the game plan. And I presume he won't change the team. I think he'll, he'll go unchanged again. I would imagine I would imagine that will be the case, um, injuries permitting. I, I mean, I'm an eternal optimist, Steve. I rock up at any game and think, well, you know, there's always a way where you can get something from a game. I, I, I'm very rarely look at the team and go, that's really, really negative because you can always break forward. Someone will always cross the halfway line and that's normally enough to get me <laughs> half excited. So I suppose there's always a bit of hope, a bit of hope for that. Yeah, there might be a bit of crossing the halfway line. We might we might do some of that. I like I like the, the idea of us scoring five, having um, got six away from home since <laughs> under Farker's entire tenure. Just just bagging five at Stamford Bridge would be fantastic, wouldn't it? Um, I think. I mean, it, it's going to be the same team, right? And, and it's the same setup. And I I have a feeling we might be quite like obdurate and difficult to break down initially. I can't see us lasting ninety minutes somehow. 
Um, and obviously, we've kind of got a score at some point, and I don't see that happening either. No, we but don't. I, no, I nil, think... nil. Take it. Go. <laughs> no, 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 We'd all be win. happy with we'll it. Win, I guess. Um, it's a weird choice of TV game, isn't it? I mean, yeah. top against bottom. Like, I, I think they have I, to. They have to pick them at some point. <laughs> I think that's the logic. But you kind of think well, like Chelsea at home. Sorry, Dan, what are you going to say? I was just like, the fact it is top v bottom gives me the most hope because yeah. so often that's the that's a banana skin for the top team. And yeah. I also saw the last 15, 20 minutes of the Chelsea-Brentford game at the weekend and God knows Brentford have got enough praise already, but they absolutely <laughs> battered Chelsea for the last 15 minutes. Yeah. Didn't find a way through. Uh, keeper made some stunning saves, but Chelsea are fallible at the moment. They're not, they're not quite in their groove yet, so it might not be the worst time to play them. I think yeah. I think the other thing with the lineup uh, that you very much prioritise for Burnley, Brighton. I think I'll do the same here. Is that we've got big players in the team now, haven't we? And I, as in physically tall, um, to counter Burnley's obvious threat. Brighton had three massive centre halves, and Chelsea will play with three centre halves and Lukaku as well. Um, potentially, you know, Reese James is quite a tall guy, so is Chilwell. So I, I I can't imagine him throwing Campwell back in. I know we can't do that against every team, but purely for those physical reasons, I, I see it being McLean, Lace Malou, Norman again. Uh, obviously, it's I guess the Farker-Tuchel line might be uh, something that's semi-interested. Oh, yeah. uh, and there'll be no Billy Gilmore, of course, because he's ineligible oh, yeah. um, due to his loan uh, agreement, obviously. Um, so, yeah, we'll have to see how it all gets uh, Gets um <laughs> gets taken on. It will be fascinating. Uh, I mean, Thomas Frank, I think, was saying if Brentford had played that game nine times out of ten, they would have won. Um, obviously, ignoring the fact that their dominance came in only the last twenty minutes. Um, but you know, yeah. don't worry about that, Thomas. I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, I can't. I can't. I can't say anything about Brentford. Yeah. Can I? They're, they're you too hate high him. You, you hate Thomas. Frank. I don't hate him. <laughs> He's, he just amuses me. He just amuses me. Um. And uh, that is enough of the amusement, I think. Uh, in that case, I think we're probably done for time. Why not? Okay, well, that's it for the uh, 83rd edition of On the Ball. Another City podcast that might well avoid Chelsea because they play in blue. Uh, if you're yet to do so, make sure you subscribe via our podcast player of choice or your podcast player of choice might be even better. Uh, the pod is available free for everyone on your usual player. And we are now streaming the recording of the podcast live in video form on my social media channels. Just search Michael Bailey, The Athletic, Norwich City, and your preferred social media platform, and hopefully it'll show up. Uh, ratings and reviews wherever prompted are always hugely appreciated. And if you want to get in touch with any questions or topic proposals, sling me a direct message on Twitter, at Michael J. Bailey is the handle. Uh, a big thank you to our guests tonight. Steve, as always, absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Yeah, pleasure, Michael. Thank you. Dan, we've broken our duck for the season. Happy days. Thanks, Michael. Uh, and Andy, debut, happy with that? Yeah, yeah, decent debut, yeah. Decent better, debut. Than, uh, better than my first game watching Norwich, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, yeah, you haven't thrown up yet, although we do still have the no. credits to go. So uh, lovely to have you on. We'll do it again. Yeah, brilliant. Top man, brilliant stuff. Uh, well, we will be back uh, next week with loads more Canary Capers. Uh, just a little bit of time to flag up uh, – no, I'm not. I'm going to – I'm not going to flag it up. Uh, have a look at The Athletic this week. It'll be really exciting. Um We'll be back for loads more Canary Capers uh, in a week's time for the On The Ball North City podcast. Until then, never mind the danger.
And we're clear and possibly one of the worst outros I've ever read on the podcast. That was exciting. Um, Steve, Dan, Andy, all you Twitterkers out there, welcome to Wits End. Uh, if you're wondering what you've stumbled across um, for the first time or what's going on, uh, then listen to On The Ball, podcast number 42. It went live on September the 8th, 2020. And it's all explained there. That was before the start of last season. Goodness me. Um, you can email this bonus part of the podcast directly with an email to Twitterkers, Twitter, K-E-R-S, Twitterkers at iCloud.com or use the hashtag Twitterkers on Twitter. Just don't explain what it refers to because this is a secret club for only for those who discover it, uh, which is kind of why I got um, my knickers in a twist then because I was going to flag up my Rule Fox interview, which is hopefully going live tomorrow. And then I didn't want to. and thought, oh, I could do it on Twitterkers. And then I realized I couldn't say I was doing that on Wits End because um, that's secret. So I just um, cut my losses and dove straight out of there. So dove? Dove? Dived? Dove. I'm not having dived. Dove. That's participle dived. Dive. <laughs> dived, please. Dived. Sorry. Sorry. Dove. Just, uh, I don't like Americanism. I don't know why I got so angry. Was it? Is that yeah. an I You know what? I, I had a Norfolkism, isn't it? That's not Americanism. Oh, dove, oh okay. Dove. Well, I'd like to apologize to our Norfolk listeners, which <laughs> is probably the majority of our audience. Very sorry. <laughs> They they all went after Hodgie did a Norfolk impression, I think, didn't they? I can't remember. Um, <laughs> I, I I mean, I'm much better when I can write words out and I get a red squiggly line underneath so I know if it's accurate or not. What did uh, what did Rule Fox have to say for himself? Um, oh, there's lots of stuff. Um, we spoke about loads of things. I spoke what I'd really wanted to talk to him about. We spoke about a lot about Witten United and and him growing up. Uh, a bit of his bit of Norwich, a little bit of Newcastle and Spurs and West Brom. Um, quite a bit about uh, the racism he had to deal with when he was a player and uh, Black History Month. Some really interesting stuff on that. I'm sure there's lots of other things. Uh, we talked about him driving around Norwich, being given um, cars by sponsors and um, <laughs> not having a driving license. That was quite a lively bit. Um, but the, one, the thing I wanted to talk to him about was managing Montserrat. Um, yeah. which was at the time the worst ranked country in all of the FIFA rankings. Two hundred and seven. It's a it's very it's a volcanic Caribbean island. Um, mm. uh, so just lovely. Ch- I I I got to spend loads of time with him. We went and had beans on toast at his cafe near not his cafe but the cafe near him. And um, it's probably the most fun I've had in Ipswich ever. He, <laughs> he was an Ipswich fan, right? Was he bought? Nah. Did he not grow up an Ipswich fan? He um he grew up in Ipswich, but he was a Manchester United and a West Brom fan, really. And uh, he did used to go to Portman Road sometimes, but he used to break in at half time, um, so he didn't have to pay. So I think we can forgive him. <laughs> I mean, why would you pay to? Uh, I think <laughs> ultimately that all worked out. So yeah, um, my real Fox interview. What what a guy! Um, what did he that's... say about Montserrat? Because he played for them. Did he play for them? Yeah, he did he play. Did. Yeah, he went out to manage them and. Um, I think he had a few training sessions and sort of thought, you know what, I've still got it. <laughs> so he ended up playing. He oh, uh, wow. he's, he scored a penalty on his international debut and then uh, pulled his calf in his second game. <laughs> that was that. <laughs> it's, a, it's a wonderful story. Um, so that's grand. Um, so, yeah, happy days. That's a good plug for, for Wits End. Uh, anyone got any anything they really want to bring up before I start um, bringing in the thing I really only do this entire podcast for? Um, other than to say, Raw Fox was the first footballer that made me think, as a short, a shorter person, and a short boy, <laughs> that you could actually be good, a good at football, but be really good at heading the ball as well. Because he was 
outstanding at leaping and it's showing my age now which is about the same as yours Michael but he was outstanding <laughs> at scoring headers I don't think he scored many but when he did he because he was what about he's five six probably yeah, five five yeah. five six he would thunder above like huge center backs to score like three or four headers I remember and that really gave me confidence I mean it, it didn't translate into any sort of ability <laughs> but it gave me the confidence to try what's your what's your leap like Dan can you... Just that, these days, it's staying uh, staying firmly planted on the ground and wa- waiting <laughs> for the ball to drop onto my head instead. Oh, clever movement! That'll do it. I mean, I think um, at the time when Chris Sutton was sold, you were kind of like, okay, well, Chris Sutton was probably going to go. Although there was obviously a bit of a ruckus with with Robert Chase. I think, but Real Fox was kind of the one where it was like, oh, that's that's not good because that's like we don't need to sell him why is he off and that's you sort of feared that the squad was being broken up at that point which made it a very painful loss actually i thought losing losing rule he didn't want to go so uh there we he go scored he scored against us didn't he for newcastle as well on his return oh did he oh, i can't remember that well probably a penalty us, us 31 year olds on the on the pod have no idea what you're talking about. Otherwise. Yeah, <laughs> well, this, this is history, who, who? boys. So yeah. lap it up, learn something. There you go. Um, uh, well, can I? I have got great news. I have compiled my uh, Mark Libra Norwich City star sign list, which I'm hoping we'll get to add one to every week. Um, but I would need people to submit a new one every week to achieve that but for the record let me just risk list what we've got so far um i got the ball rolling with wesley Juliohan. um leo Juliohan. um this is obviously off the back of mark libra being a star sign and i wrote a piece on his norwich city debut and his wonderful goal of course uh we added to that we had leon mckenzie leon mckenzie from that was from john rogers so there are leos um gemini goss was Still my favourite. Happy with that one. Uh, we then had um, Max Aries from, from Tom Parsley, which I think just about works. Um, Danny Tianti got in touch then with Tor Russ Martin. Maybe that works better as Russell. Tor Russell Martin. Tor Russell Martin. Yeah, works better as Tor Russell. I'll update that. Uh, Matt, Ra- Matt Rushbrook also uh, messaged me. I think he did that on Twitter because I think you picked up on that a few weeks ago, Steve, with uh, Vergoran Maric. Bergoran Marich um, and Elliot Lake chipped in live on the podcast with Josh Sargentarius, which is for a live, a live spontaneous action. It's wonderful. Uh, I have had an email um, for this week's uh, uh, contributions. Let's go there. Oh, I've had two. Was the other one an email? No, the other one was a message from Paul Byrne. Hello, Paul. He came up to me actually at the. Uh, Norwich City Fan Social Club um, uh, quiz night I was hosting the other week came up to me and said, oh, star signs, you're still doing the star signs. I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. What, what, what do you mean star signs? No, you know, the, the Norwich City star signs. I was like, yes, got you. Um, so he said, uh, I've got one for you. Sagittarian, Sagittarian Bennett. <laughs> Surely... Surely Sagittarian Culverhouse or something like that. Would oh. Sagittarian Crook would be better, wouldn't it? I mean, Sagittarian Crook. I reckon yeah. we could probably keep this going all season if they're all bad. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean? no, there's no, like, there's no bad. They're all really bad. Like you there's know, no you could just have like Timu Pisces or something like that. What we don't just... want is a good one ruining it all. Yeah, exactly. Keep them like keep Gemini them terrible, Goss. Please, people. 
Well, like, the only one I had was Taurus or Martin, and that's been denied now. That's just been snatched oh, away from oh, me. Oh, <laughs> well, look, how about these? And then Adam we can Mar- ask how often Andy Ward gets mistaken for Russell Martin. Oh, here we go. Oh, I you do look like, like him. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, apparently so, yeah. Oh. Uh, he's a lot richer than I am, though. <laughs> uh, he, owned, he owns a and restaurant older. in Norwich. No. Yeah, he does. Hang on. Great restaurant, actually. Yeah, great well, restaurant. Yeah. Do you, can, you know, if you go in, do they go, hey, Russ? I've, I've actually met. You won't believe this. I've met Russell Martin on a stag do in Budapest. I mean, it was just ridiculous. <laughs> what? Yeah, when I was this? Generally did. It was a few years ago. Um, okay. Can we? Do we? And, do we get to tie this in with the Norwich performance, or was it? You know, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. And um, me and my mates were obviously, you know, hit, hitting the town in Budapest, and then one of my mates sort of tapped me on the shoulder and said, "That's Russell Martin," and it generally was Russell Martin, and he brought us all around a drinks. He's a great bloke. Oh, what a guy. Um, wow, if he it, was just, that. it was just such a coincidence that all my mates have always said I look like look like Russell Martin. And there he was in Budapest. <laughs> and he's seen total as well. He doesn't drink. He doesn't drink a thing. No, yeah. Um, no, yeah. No, great guy. He was with Sergio Torres. I don't know if you remember him. It was his stag do. Oh, yeah. He used to play Crawley. So it was his, his mm. stag do in Budapest. So wow. the rest of the sort of stag party were getting absolutely um, absolutely wasted. And Russell was on the waters all night. <laughs> you know what he'd be fine on he'd be fine on the waters he'd top yeah, man. He was, he was. was he was he dressed up in anything in yeah particular? oh yeah look, look very smart very smart oh but okay like i said the fact he, he brought us all all around the drinks was was fantastic really I mean, did I he admit hoping... that you looked like him did, did yeah he, he did yeah he's, like, he's a good looking bloke and uh... right <laughs> <laughs> that's about yeah. right I was hoping, I know you said he dressed smartly. I was hoping you were going to say he was like dressed like a smurf or something. But oh, no, no, no. Um, right. Uh, well, back to the star signs, if I may. Alan Montgomery got uh, got in touch via email. Good evening, Michael and Twitterkers. There you go, everyone. He's emailed all of us. Uh, just a couple of Norwich star sign puns. Ozan Cabaquarius. Come on, come on. Yeah, give, yeah. Cabac. That's okay. Cabac- yeah. Cabac- give him yeah, something. Okay. okay, yeah, yeah, not bad. Six out of ten. And uh, oh, we've got two two more. Uh, Leroy Fergo. Uh, Fergo. Yeah. Fergo. Yeah. 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 yeah, that works. Yep, that yeah. works. Steve can't do it without sighing. Uh, um, one for the older listeners, Terry Zorcock. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds a bit seedy, to be honest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you've made it that. You've made it that. Uh, Alan signs <laughs> off by saying, "Cheers." Brackets or sorry. Definitely cheers, Alan. Um, are we are we allowed non-players? Yeah, I think not? so. Yeah, Norwich Connections is right. Yeah, we're desperate, yeah. Chris Caprigorum. <laughs> Caprigorum. I think I think yeah. I think that I think that's as bad as anyone that anyone else has offered. Show. I thought I thought when you said we allowed non-players, you're just gonna do, do like John Virgo or something like that. <laughs> By fairness, that would be that would be on Mark Libra level of um, of yeah. success, really, wouldn't it? Uh, well, okay, I think we've done that for this week because um, we've lost a lot of uh, people watching and listening by this point. Um, oh, sorry, Capricorn Smith. Better. That's not that. Yeah, that's Better. not bad. Yeah, yeah. Redeemed myself there, Smith. <laughs> like that. Um, on that note, unless anyone's got uh, any other business, no, I'm no, out of creativity. So. After. I think. Yeah, that's kind of killed it, really, hasn't it? <laughs> we'll bear that in mind for future. Um, but if anyone, if anyone does have uh, their Norwich City star signs, um, please submit them. You can email them twitterkers at iCloud.com, twitterkers at iCloud.com, or the hashtag twitterkers. Um, don't explain what. Just just put them there, and I'll go. What's that? Oh yeah, I remember. And we'll um, we'll probably read them out. Um, 
if we can drip feed them in. In that case, I think we're done. Uh, so that's how to get in touch with us. Um, I'm I'm going to say goodbye to everyone now because it's been a wonderful pod. Andy, Dan, Steve, thank you so much. Uh, if I can coordinate you all saying goodbye on three, that would be great. One, two, three. Goodbye. goodbye. Look at that. They're so excited. Um, that's it. Uh, until next time, that's a rope. <laughs>